My name is Gareth, and this is Dissecting Dexter, baby. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining me once again for some more Dissecting Dexter. It's bloody freezing outside, and I'm in a silly kind of mood, which is probably, well, probably accounts for the uh, rather impromptu homage to uh, one of my favourite old podcasts. And uh, those of you who have heard the podcast in question will probably have recognised the... Um, the little nod there to our good friend Axel Foley. Okay, so it's dissecting Dexter time. Sorry, I just nearly choked. <laughs> um, it's dissecting Dexter time, and it's freezing outside. I'm cold. I'm in the mobile studio, and dedicated as ever, committed or should be committed. Some might say, certainly on today's form. <laughs> How unprofessional am I? <laughs> but it's all good fun. <laughs> I think you know me well enough now that. Um, I'm not the most professional podcaster, but hey, I have a bit of fun doing it, and um, why not? <laughs> so, season six, episode ten. We've got two left, and I'm pretty stoked. I really enjoyed this latest episode, and um, you'll find out why. I'm going to talk about that in a minute when we get stuck into the review. Firstly, um, not much in the way of housekeeping. Um, the last week has been... Well, it's been fairly quiet for me, apart from work. We did have a bit of fun at the weekend, though. Our Christmas tree's gone up. Hey, fantastic. And our living room looks suitably festive and very cosy now. I must admit, when that fire's lit and the Christmas lights are on, it's bloody fantastic. <laughs> it's one of the best things about Christmas time is how cosy our living room gets. <laughs> Love it. So, um, yeah, we had fun with the kids on Sunday putting that up and... Um, Yes, the mulled wine was flowing, and uh, very good it was too. I got suitably tipsy. <laughs> we also cracked open some blackberry gin. I'm not sure if it was on Gareth's Waste of Time, I think. Not this one, where I talked about making... Uh, that this autumn I'd been making my own slow gin, having been out and found a nice patch of uh, blackthorn bushes and picked some slow berries to um, mix with some gin and some sugar and you, know, you just leave it for two or three months and Bob's your uncle. Uh, my parents did it with uh, some blackberries and uh, presented me with a jar with um, with a small batch, a, a small uh, amount inside, just as a, a taster, because they didn't, they didn't make too much. Um, and we opened it this weekend, and it was fantastic. Really sweet. Uh, you couldn't really drink too much of it, and obviously it's going to be 39 or 40% proof, <laughs> whatever the strength of the original gin was. Uh, so it's pretty strong stuff, but by heck, it was good. <laughs> a real nice winter warmer. I can't wait to be opening our slow gin probably in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, certainly I'll open the first bottle in time for Christmas. Looking forward to that. You can't beat a bit of homebrew, can you, whether it's beer or wine or gin? <laughs> So how are you guys doing? You're getting ready for Christmas. Uh, I am one week closer to being ready than I was when I last spoke to you. <laughs> Did a lot of shopping online last week um, and uh, pretty much got the kids sorted. So, yeah, getting ever nearer and the excitement is building. The advent calendars are now open at home. The kids are enjoying their little bit of chocolate every morning as they open another window. Well, with as as we get further into December so the weather changes it's got colder 
I've seen my first snow of the winter. We had a bit of a blizzard here at work yesterday. I was a bit concerned about getting snowed in. I don't mind snow getting snowed in when I'm at home because then I can't get to work. But if I'm snowed in at work and can't get to home, uh, well, that's a different matter. <laughs> but fortunately, the, the ground was too wet and the snow didn't settle. Um, but uh, just looking out of the car window now, I can see the squirrels are busy. I think they're panicking a bit. They're scratching around in the leaves, picking up acorns and scampering off with them. I think they're aware of the changing weather and wanting to get prepared for the uh, the ground covered with snow. It's nice, isn't it, nature? Can't beat a bit of wildlife. OK, <laughs> I've rambled for five minutes already. Jeez, what's going on? Oh, right. OK, let's crack on. <laughs> Dexter time. Hooray! Season 6, episode 10. Episode title, Ricochet Rabbit. Original air date, the 4th of December 2011. Written by Jace Richdale, Lauren Gussis and Scott Reynolds. All of whom are familiar names to us now this season. This is Jace Richdale's second episode as, with, a, with a writer credit. I'm not sure if this is our first threesome on Dexter. Our first trio of writers. Quite possibly. But more importantly, we've got a new director this episode, Michael Lehman, who will probably be a familiar name to a lot of you. He's a first-time Dexter director, but he's been around the block a few times on the big screen and the small screen. He directed films including Heathers and Hudson Hawk, but now he's more focused on TV with shows like True Blood, Bored to Death, Nurse Jackie, The Big C and Californication, all amongst his recent efforts. And this is his first directorial job on Dexter. And I think he did a good job here, so hopefully uh, we'll have him back at some point, probably next season now. Right, let's get on with the review. Whew, quite an intro. Apologies. <laughs> let's go. Hot on the heels of the big reveal that wasn't, well, <laughs> to be fair, it was a big reveal to Dexter himself, wasn't it? Just not to us. I think, looking back at that now, it's not the first time that we, or we as an audience, have known, or at least strongly suspected something that our main character hasn't. I'm not talking about just Dexter, but other shows too. A different perspective to look at this, and one that's been pointed out, is that we did get hung up on the Geller mystery, and in the end... At the point of reveal, some of us, and I put my hand up, myself included, focused on the anticlimax for us, the audience, where in fact the bigger thing was the shock for Dexter himself. He certainly didn't see this coming, and as we see in the first scene this week, he realises he got Travis totally wrong. He thought he was this weak, easily influenced man, pushed, pushed into doing some terrible things by this other person, a person he now knows has been dead for some time. We got confirmation this week, as if we needed it, that Travis did indeed kill Geller. Three years earlier, and Geller himself was just his professor, and realised that Travis was a very troubled individual with some crazy ideas. Through the episode, we saw Travis's medication bottle, evidence that he was being treated for mental illness, was it an antipsychotic drug, they called it? Actually, that moment later on, when Dexter found the medicine, I thought it made a change for Dexter to find something that could help him, help keep him a step ahead of the police investigation, only for Deb to see it and take the lead away from him. 
that doesn't usually happen, does it? He, he usually manages to find some way of staying a step ahead. And, of course, he did in the end anyway. But you could almost hear a little voice in Dexter's head say, Don't! <laughs> I was struck, but not surprised, by the look of confusion on Travis's face when he looked into the cellar and saw Geller. Geller in the cellar. <laughs> Geller in the freezer. It backed up the split personality notion, one half of him being the nice, kind brother who works in a museum restoring books, and one who rejected the craziness of his dark passenger, which he perceived as a separate person, personified by Geller. And the next few moments of the episode were interesting, as we could see the darkness enveloping Travis again, the dark passenger seemingly taking over, the wall separating the good part of him from the bad, getting broken down and that darkness flooding his entire being. I I was a little puzzled with Dexter seeing and hearing Travis talking to a Geller who wasn't there, though. We know when Dexter talks to Harry, it's just in his head and he doesn't actually talk out loud. Up until now, I think we'd assumed the same of Travis. No one looked at him strangely in that bar or cafe earlier in the season when he was talking to Geller. That waitress never said, Travis, you're always talking to yourself. Although the girl who got away, Holly Benson, was it? She did report hearing two voices. And there's the first plane of the episode. Take a drink, guys. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Holly Benson said that she heard two voice voices. Yet here, Dexter only hears Travis. Cause I did speculate maybe Travis was doing both voices. So I don't know. Maybe a little inconsistency in the show here, but it's... It's not a massive deal for me. We've mentioned about everyone having a threshold or tolerance level for what they'll let slide. And I guess here we found mine. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. We learned what happened to Geller, that Travis went to him about his plan for the end of days. And he got Geller fired from university for stealing the sword. Now... I don't remember that female professor telling Quinn and Batista about that in episode 5. I can't remember her name. In fact, I can't remember anyone mentioning it. You'd think it would have been in the records that he got fired. Unless I'm just remembering wrong, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility. Maybe it happened right back in the was it episode 2 after that first guy was killed. The um, fruit seller, was it? So yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just remembering wrong. Anyway, it's by the by. Geller, it seems, was innocent of any crime. Dexter was pretty quick to dismiss what Brother Sam told him. Not for the first time this season, he's made some very hasty decisions, changes of opinion. Why was Brother Sam wrong? Because Dexter now thinks Travis is beyond saving? He's seen some light in Travis and save we. He was right about one thing. If you put your faith in the wrong thing... Really fuck you up. It was a mistake to put my faith in Travis. From now on, I'm only putting my faith in myself. Dexter's thinking of himself here. That he put some faith in Travis and was wrong. But of course, Travis had faith in Professor Geller, and look how that turned out. It's funny, the Dexter this week. He was, I don't know, he, he seemed to me a little bit more like an old fashioned Dexter just thinking like a killer, right in the zone, at least for the most part. He chopped up Geller, killed Steve Dorsey. OK, he thought it was Travis, but Dorsey fit the code. I just thought it was a bit more like the Dexter of old. 
again, for the most part. It emphasised the point that he's very quickly switched from considering the light to just wanted to take out Travis. I guess he was open to letting him go as long as he thought there was some light in there, but now he knows Travis is just harbouring his own dark passenger, he has to stop him. He does recognise it's similar to himself, though. I wonder what his current opinion there is, whether he thinks there's any light in him now. As for Travis, he found that couple, didn't he? But what are the odds of finding two people prepared to kill for him so easily? I know we're short of time now in the season, but... Ah, just a plot point again. <laughs> I'll let it slide, fanboy that I am. <sighs> I guess nutters attract nutters, but the woman, she didn't seem quite so ready to kill, did she? She could end up being the weak link there. I was looking at this couple, though, <laughs> sort of having milk and cookies with a religiously driven serial killer. I was thinking, what a pair of crazies. <laughs> it was just weird, but maybe believable. There are some nutters in the world who unfortunately distort religious tenets. I liked Travis's plan of going back to fix a mistake, and although Dexter was a bit slow on the uptake, he did get there, realising Holly Benson was the mistake. He did his usual detective work to find the boat, but did you think Travis being a step ahead was a little convenient to the plot? Does he use Elliot too? <laughs> I don't know how he found the boat before Dexter, but he did, and of course Holly came to a gruesome end, although... It didn't seem that Travis intended her to be part of a tableau. He just killed her, with the help of his new disciples, that is. I don't know, maybe he was using them to break them in. I love the scene in the police station, when Anderson came back with information about Travis. Any luck on the Dr. Carlson front? Turns out he passed away a couple of years ago, but I got a court order releasing Travis Marshall's psyche valve. Drugs were antipsychotics. Apparently he had some breaks with reality. Jesus, violent tendencies since childhood, lack of empathy, master manipulator, delusions of grandeur. Makes sense. Fucker wants to end the world. What's that? Travis is psych file. More like psych-o-file. Guy was a complete sociopath. Shit, it says here the shrink thought he killed his parents. I thought it was a car accident. Or not. Apparently Travis attacked his father and grabbed the wheel, turned it right into a tree. Any signs of parental abuse? Mm-mm. It's so weird. His sister seems so convinced he was a good guy. Maybe she didn't know. Anything's possible. The similarities continue to pile up, but with one big difference in that scene, Travis reportedly caused the car crash that killed his parents. I did like Dexter piping up, querying parental abuse, trying to find some reason for Travis wanting to harm his parents. Or at least one of them. In his mind, I think Dexter feels there has to be something, some trigger to have given birth to a dark passenger. Trinity had one, Brian Moser had one, Dexter has one. But it seems there's still something else we've yet to learn about Travis's history, unless he was just born that way. I'm resisting the urge to break into song. <laughs> no Lady Gaga on dissecting Dexter. <laughs> so Travis got back on track and began work on the next tableau. And it seems like it's going to be a poison gas attack on the police station, by all accounts. And that's no spoiler, I'm just going by what we saw in this episode. I've not seen the preview, so I don't know whether that's going to be the case or not. But Dexter, he feels like it's, a respons it's his responsibility to fix things. And I can understand why. He had a chance to kill Travis, but let him go for a chance at the big fish. But in doing so, four more people are now dead. I think it's four. 
I loved Harry's suggestion to call the police and warning not to make it personal. Dexter did that with Trinity, didn't he? And we all remember how that ended. Dexter would arguably be wise to heed this warning. Dexter, you have to call the police. Why would I listen to you? I'm only here because of you. Now I'm supposed to trust your judgment. I'll make my own decision. Dex, leave me alone! Brother Sam said it. Sometimes you have to surrender to something greater than yourself. 911, what's your emergency? I like this ending. More tension between Dexter and Harry. Dex blaming him for being the way he is. Although we know without Harry, Dexter's path could well have ended up being more like his brother's. Dexter was possibly being a bit petulant here, wanting to satisfy his own dark passenger, and also perhaps being a little pissed off that he was duped by Travis although Travis didn't entirely realise he was duping him. Dexter also might be cross that he allowed himself to be duped by Travis, wanting to believe he was capable of being saved. All these different frustrations resulting in him directing his anger at Harry, and then, of course, he makes the call to the police. Well done, Dexter. Elsewhere in the episode, let's talk about Deborah. The scene at the church... I did enjoy her remark, holy Christ on a stick. <laughs> and then she turns and apologises, <laughs> seeing Jesus up on the cross. <laughs> I was surprised by her funny turn in there, going all woozy and faint. But there was that nice moment with Dexter outside the church. A bit of Deb Dexter normality there. He helped her just by being there, talking to her. The shrink pointed it out to her later. Just being with Dexter was a help. Deb made a nice mention of creeping into his room as a child at night and sleeping on his floor, Dexter not knowing she was there. Even early on, we see she relied on him. It accounts for some of her sadness at not feeling so close to him recently. That was a really nice bit of backstory for her. Quite an emotional moment in the episode, I must admit. There were also developments in the Matthews dead cool girl thing this week. Matthews wants to meet Deb for dinner but now she knows he was the one in that hotel room. She's going to wonder what the hell to do now. <laughs> she tried to talk to Dexter, but he was busy, of course. But I liked her response, being understanding and saying she knows he has her back when it counts. And we know that if push came to shove, when it all comes down to it, he would be there for her. But Quinn... Ah, dear, he's still a mess. <laughs> what a sorry sight he was. <laughs> One one shoe on, one shoe off. <laughs> Getting soaking wet feet in the sprinkler. Although I did think it was a strange place to put a sprinkler right at the edge of a lawn. Wouldn't they have put it more in the centre somewhere? Rather than getting half the water on the road. But I guess it served a purpose to uh, get Quinn all soaking wet. Steady girls. <laughs> yeah, he's still a mess all right. But when Batista tried to call him before going to the Dorsey house, I thought maybe this is where it's heading. This arc for him this season, Quinn's drunken new lifestyle leading him to be sloppy at work and then resulting, maybe, in the death or at least it seems the abduction of a fellow officer. And this was probably the highlight of the episode for me. Maybe. It's a good episode, a few good things, but I think this was possibly my favourite bit. Lewis had come up trumps, hadn't he? Proving his worth, finding the lead on Steve Dorsey. You could argue that Batista made a fatal mistake going there alone. He certainly underestimated the situation. As he approached the house, 
All our theories from earlier in the season about him maybe heading for a big fall, they all came rushing back to me and I really felt genuine tension and concern. It was perhaps no big surprise when he got clocked on the back of the head by Travis and I honestly fear for his long-term survival now. If he got killed off, that'd be quite a punch. I know we've half expected a character to be killed off for a while, but I'd miss Angel if he went. He's a good guy, if often neglected by the writers. Let's move on to Lumi, or more specifically Lewis. I'm still not sure what to make of him. He showed Dexter his video game, seemingly very keen to get his opinion, perhaps a bit too keen. It seems getting Dexter's approval was very important to him because he went off sulking, didn't he, after Dexter said the game was offensive. I like Dexter's line about who would choose to be a serial killer, as if to say if he had a choice he wouldn't be one. He has, in this in the past, described it as something of a curse, so you can appreciate him not being amused by a form of entertainment glorifying the exploits of a serial killer. Blimey, imagine that. In my game, you can be the serial killer. What? <laughs> See, uh, you have these character choices. You can be uh, Dahmer, Jack the Ripper... The Bay Harbor Butcher? I am the Bay Harbor Butcher. I love that line. The subtle raising of the eyebrows. <laughs> nice touch. But Lewis shot off, didn't he? Leaving Jamie in the lurch, foregoing their date. Uh, Lewis, he's either a big baby who can't take criticism, or his interest in serial killers is more than a passing one, and it's more important to him than having Jamie as a girlfriend. Now, call me judgmental if you like. But I don't know how many girlfriends Lewis has had, or how many look like Jamie. But let's face it, he's punching above his weight, isn't he? And he's putting a second to whatever his primary agenda is. I'd say it has to be a serious one, this primary agenda. And Dexter used Elliot again this week, didn't he? I still really like the theory that Lewis set that up. Don't follow me. Follow the podcast. Get on Twitter and follow at Dissect Dexter. So overall, I have to say I really enjoyed this one. I think more so now the Geller thing is done with. At least as far as the infamous mystery is concerned. <laughs> this was Dexter back on good form for me. On Twitter I called it a classic three from the end episode. Moving things along but also setting up the end game. It's funny how Dexter's gone to and fro between the light and the dark this season listening to Brother Sam, even being open to listening to him in the first place, starting to think there's something in what he said, praying when Harrison was unwell, considering forgiving Nick and letting him go, then snapping and killing him, saying there's no light, then gallivanting off with Brian, then letting Jonah go, rejecting Brian, considering letting Travis go, then wanting to kill him, and now calling the police in, rather than pursue the matter himself. It all emphasises what we've talked about, how this season has thematically been about the battle between light and dark. You know what? I'm really happy we're done with the Geller mystery. I was so much more relaxed for this episode, and really enjoyed it, if that makes sense. What did you guys think? I dare say we're about to find out.
listener feedback. All right, firstly, a batch of feedback that arrived in between episodes. Firstly, a quick email from Linda who says, I just found you a couple of days ago and I'm so glad I did. We have terrible winds here tonight in Morrow Bay, California, keeping me awake and your Dexter coverage is helping me stay sane. More soon, you rock. (laughs) Thanks, Linda. Good to hear from you. Mike Lanich has emailed in to say, To be honest, nothing Dexter has experienced this season has been as interesting as Deb and her arc. It's one of the few things I feel they have truly nailed. Her acknowledgement that her life is a living hell through therapy and her re-evaluation of her relationship with Dexter is excellent. I like how her therapy is giving her the chance to understand her faults, as well as her strengths. I wouldn't be surprised if her eventual suspicions about Dexter cause her to follow him to one of his kill rooms, this time without the plastic sheeting keeping his identity a secret. Lewis is an interesting character. We've all had an odd whiff of something just not right about him, though. I have a theory here, so bear with me. I wonder if Lewis has a relationship with the now-dismissed Ryan Chambers, since he bought the ice truck killer hand from her. She seems so obsessed with it, and I just can't believe that two people working the same position at the same police precincts would be that interested in this hand as to go to such great lengths to steal and obtain it. No, I think Lewis is getting the hand was the objective from the beginning. So here is part one of my theory. Ryan gets the job. She's sexy, a bit dirty and flirty with Masuka, and when she drops hints about the Eyestruck killer case, Masuka brings her the evidence and she steals the hand. She posts it online where Lewis buys it. She gets fired and Lewis is able to land the position without suspicion on him for the hand. He pretends that he can't locate the hand and case closed. I think Ryan was supposed to get fired. She always seemed like she was playing a role and did it effectively. It felt like a mask, much like Dexter's and now Lewis's. But what does it all mean? Theory part two. The producers said that season six would mirror season one in some ways, and we have already seen that with the ghost-like return of Brian Moser. But what do we know about him? We know he's about five years older than Dexter, was institutionalised and got out in his late teens, went underground and honed his skills. But that seems like quite a bit of time where we know nothing about him. If he's five years older than Dexter, that would have put him at around 37, maybe 38. I think that both Ryan and Lewis are probably too old to be children to Brian, but I feel there is some major connection to Brian here. Could they possibly have been protégés of this much, of his, much like Lumen and Miguel were to Dexter? Could Brian have somehow left them information after his death that led them to Dexter? I wouldn't be surprised to find that they've known what Dexter is for quite some time. I know Lewis has been much too interested in Dexter for apparently little reason from the start. Either he idolises Dexter, or he's making it appear that way to eventually get closer to him for very, very bad reasons. Well, Gareth, I know this theory might sound crazy, but I have to believe that the truly big reveal this season isn't the pathetic Geller reveal, but that Dexter, Brian, and now Ryan and Lewis are all connected in some way. These two just might be the big baddies for next season. I refer you again to an email I sent just before the season started. I got the Deb being promoted theory correct, and now I might just have another. I said that wouldn't it be cool if another serial killer was simply hiding in plain sight at the police station, just like Dexter. I theorise that this intern might possibly be a killer too, and might turn into a big bad next season. I think I might just be right on this one. Sorry, just tooting my horn. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. 
You certainly did make that prediction before the season, and I wouldn't dismiss the theory about Ryan and Lewis. You make a good case for it. I remember how we talked about how convenient it was that this new intern, Lewis, was able to erase uh, all these traces of the online auction for the hand. And we thought, well, you know, how could he have done that, hacking into eBay or <laughs> whatever the site was? But it would make a lot more sense if it was all a big setup, and maybe Lewis had rigged that site, like we suspect he's rigged the Elliot site. Maybe it was Lewis who made the call to Masuka to ask about the hand, the one that tipped him off about the auction in the first place. Yeah. I said last week that I really would appreciate the writers laying groundwork this season for the big bad next season. That'd show some nice long-term planning. Although renewal hadn't been confirmed, the writers may have taken a gamble and presumed it would happen. On Twitter, Brea Grant has given nothing away about coming back on the show. Maybe it would go some way to explaining why Lewis left Jamie in the lurch. What if he has another girlfriend somewhere, and he is just using Jamie to get closer to Dexter? Nice theory, Mike. Hey, Gareth. It's Ken from Pittsburgh. Ah, so, I'm just sitting outside right now and thinking about last week's episode of Dexter, and I think I've gotten past the point of the anger, frustration, and embarrassment at the writer's failure of a twist. And I'm kind of settled down to that point where I'm really excited for this tonight's episode of Dexter, um, which hasn't aired yet. I'll make that clear. It's uh, a few hours before Dexter airs. Um, it's reminded me of a lot of the times before episode of Dexter would air um, back in season five, where all these pieces are in place, and I just can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, those are basically my feelings throughout Season 5, and it's great that Season 6 is finally at that point where I'm excited to see what happens next. But uh, I felt that way throughout Season 5 and Episode 10. Season 6 is almost over. It took a really long time for me to get excited on a daily basis. So. I don't know. Those are just my thoughts on now, but... Initial anger at the episode is quite a down. That's it for now. I'll call you back after the episode. Hey, Gareth, it's Ken again. I, I forgot uh, one more thing. Uh, the, the entirety of uh, the last podcast, uh, uh, I thought you kept referring to Lewis as Lumi, and uh, I, I didn't put together that Lumi was short for uh, Lewis and uh, Jamie. And um, it was embarrassing, actually. I thought maybe it was uh, like a British idiom or a nickname for Lewis. And I actually asked a friend from Hereford, I'm like, uh, do you have any friends named Lewis? She's like, ah, I, yeah. And she's like, do you ever call him Lumi? It's just, she was uh, baffled by that. And uh, I felt like an idiot later when I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh, Lewis and Jamie, Lumi. God, embarrassing. All right, talk to you later, Ann. Thanks, Ken. I'm with you. <laughs> it's taken a long time for me to get terribly excited for this season. But it was this latest episode 10 that pushed me there. I also <laughs> I also like the motorbike or Chinook or whatever it was in the background there. <laughs> Waving the flag for the mobile studio and outside interference. Good job. <laughs> and I have to, had to laugh when you talked about not knowing what I meant when I referred to Lumi. <laughs> it was, of course, a, a 
my crude bastardization of Jamie and Lewis. <laughs> but I did laugh when you, you told me about speaking to your friend in Hereford. <laughs> Imagine their confusion. Right, an email from Anthony in Pittsburgh who said, I wish someone would acknowledge the lack of kills this season. There have been so few traditional kills. The only ones I can think of were the football player in the first episode and the gang leader after Brother Sam. But even that was in the barbershop chair rather than on a table and just a handful of other side kills. He electrocuted the EMTs, suffocated the tooth fairy, drowned Nick and stabbed the motel owner with a pitchfork. It's feeling less and less like a show about a neat monster and more and more like a crime drama. Am I alone wanting more stalking and killing by a serial killer? Thanks, Anthony. Yes, indeed. In a season that the producers said would have the show getting closer to its roots, its season one roots, there really has been a lack of Dexter kills. A kill of the week used to be... It used to be a staple. It was much more of a regular thing. Personally... I wouldn't want him to do it every week or the gimmick could get stale. But for it to happen a bit more often than it is, that would be kind of nice. And there were some interesting Kill of the Week stories. Remember uh, Zoe Kruger, was that season four? That was a good one. Dave in Ohio emailed in to say, I wanted to write in with a few thoughts about the negative responses to the episode Get Geller and the big non-reveal reveal that Geller was not real. While I completely understand how this reveal was rather anticlimactic for viewers, it reinforces some of the comments I made a few podcasts back about how Deb finally finding out about Dexter will also be largely seen as anticlimactic. Like Dexter not being alive, we can all see Deb finding out about Dexter is coming, so the actual discovery of Dexter's true nature by Deb will not in any way be a shock. However, just like finding out about Geller, this is not, in my opinion, a bad thing. We often know how things about the killers and characters before they're revealed. For example, I'd guessed early on that Trinity was killing because of family-related issues. But I would suggest that there are two kinds of surprises or twists. Ones that we don't see coming, like Rita's death, and ones that fundamentally change a character's role on the show, like Dokes finally confronting Dexter face-to-face in Season 2. We all knew that Dokes would eventually find out, but the surprise or twist was not Dokes finding out that Dexter was the Bay Harbour Butcher. The twist was the question that this created. How would Dexter deal with Dokes once Dokes found out? With that in mind, the reason that I was able to enjoy Get Geller and the non-reveal reveal is because I saw the twist that this presented in the show was that Dexter found out that Geller was dead, not that I found out. This fundamentally changes the way that Dexter sees Travis and begs the question, what will Dexter do about Travis with this new information? It also, in my opinion, makes Travis a more interesting character. I know that many viewers were saying that it would have been a bigger surprise to find out that Geller was alive and real, but if Travis was simply a manipulated pawn of Geller's, he would be an almost inconsequential character, a nemesis, so while there was no surprise, there was a huge twist. Similarly, I would argue that when Deb does find out about Dexter, it won't be a surprise, and we will have seen it coming. Heck, we've seen it coming for five and a half seasons. But the interesting thing about Deb finally finding out will be in the questions it raises. How will Deb react? How will Dexter react? The interesting thing will be how it changes the characters, their relationships and the dynamics of the show, not the singular event of discovery. 
Actually, one of the things I enjoy most about Dexter is that the writers do not constantly try to outdo themselves over and over again with bigger and more outrageous surprises. Too many shows go down that road and it all too often leads to ridiculous plot lines that are more focused on providing shock than content and true character development. I guess this is a long way of saying that there are still three episodes left. Let's trust the show and see how this all plays out before we get too disappointed. Thanks, Dave. You make a good argument there. The two storylines are very different to each other in their nature, though. And I'm sure that anticipation for the eventual Deb discovery is much higher than that that we had for the Geller reveal. Goes without saying, really. <laughs> the whole show's been building up to it, teasing it. It's likely that the writers aren't going to please everyone with how they do it, though. An anticlimax for some might be inevitable. Actually, speaking of the Geller reveal... And, to be fair to the writers, it did shock a good percentage of the audience. Sorry, did I whistle when I said shock then? <laughs> I think my teeth whistled, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there was a poll on the Dexter Season 6 blog about whether you were surprised by the Geller reveal. Over 900 votes were cast, and 51% said they were surprised. So, the mystery did do its job for half the audience, it seems. But... The Geller thing was presented as a mystery while the whole Deb thing. There is no actual mystery as such. We know Dexter's a serial killer. We know Deb has to find out at some point. It's just a question of when and how. And then, of course, what happens after that. So, while we know it has to be coming, our anticipation is quite different. Personally, I'm feeling quite confident I won't be disappointed, whatever they do. I think I'm... I think I'm so into the story and the relationship between Deb and Dexter that I'll just be swept up by the emotion and impact of it. Thanks, Dave. Good email. WriterGal emails in with a brief one to say, I'm listening to your podcast on Get Geller now, and a thought occurred to me. Yes, we knew that Geller was a figment, and early on I remarked that if they did use that device, it was trite and way overused, which forced me to think of an alternative development. In a season that's supposed to be about faith in the supernatural, it occurs to me that absolutely nothing supernatural has happened. So, if I were writing it, I'd have Dexter find Geller, strapped into a hospital bed in that basement, fed by an IV, almost totally incapacitated, but he directs Travis through dreams or nods of his head or something, and sends Travis forth through demonic power. Now that'd be an interesting force for Dexter to reckon with. <laughs> Thanks, writer gal. I'm not sure anything supernatural has ever happened on Dexter, but your alternative storyline for the Geller reveal would have been interesting. It would have certainly brought in a supernatural element that's never been depicted in the show before. <laughs> and I take note that you close your email by saying you were only half kidding in that. <laughs> You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com Blood Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge Hang on, it's Lee Messaged you a few times on Twitter Keep up the good work um, I'm a bit unsure about the split personality of Travis Earlier in the season he was at his sister's sword girl outside the window You'd presume he was acting normal but did he really see him, or was it just for our benefit? Then in um, Get Geller, when he woke up, 
He seemed really shocked when he went into the bathroom to find the writing on the wall and the hand in the sink. I'm not sure, but is that how split personalities work? I'm not sure, maybe you can answer that. Um, and one other thing, I'm not liking this Dexter's risk-taking. It seems too much against the grain of the past series. Um, I like him when he's a bit more tidy. Anyway, let's know what you think. Once again, keep up the good work. Ah, thanks, Lee. Another British caller. I like it. <laughs> You're querying Travis and glimpses that we've had of Geller prior to the reveal. Maybe in hindsight... They were to illustrate that Travis's dark passenger was always keeping an eye on him, unbeknown to his conscious self. I don't pretend, and never have done, <laughs> pretend to be a psychologist. So any speculation on split personalities is a completely unprofessional speculation. <laughs> but I think it just showed that his passenger was there. The message in the bathroom you mentioned, Travis was apparently shocked by it and I think again in hindsight that it illustrates his split personality or his seemingly former split personality and that one wasn't aware of the other. I got an email from Drew Shelton who writes as follows. Well I just watched the Get Geller episode and like a lot of your other listeners I couldn't help but be disappointed by the big twist at the end. However, it was a comment that showrunner Scott Buck said afterwards that really took me by surprise. He stated that the twist was completely left out of the script during the table read and only Michael C. Hall and Edward James Olmos knew the whole time and Colin Hanks wasn't told until they started filming the episode. It puzzles me why they'd keep Hanks in the dark for eight straight episodes about this. One of the things I was really hoping for this season initially was to see Travis's own internal conflicts and struggle with his dark passenger something along the lines of him eventually recognising Geller is the manifestation of his dark passenger, trying to free himself of it, and then being overcome by his own darkness inside of him. I feel like this would have added more depth to the character, and might even have garnered some sympathy from the audience, and personally, I believe some of the best antagonists are the ones that can be sympathised with to a degree. Furthermore, it would also have made Travis's murders much more dark and disturbing, especially his sister's. But instead, the writers chose to leave the is Geller real or not thing ambiguous for so long, which I think made the revelation that he's acted entirely on his own less effective than it could have been. In closing, I want to say that overall, I have still enjoyed this season so far. I absolutely love the character of Dexter and always look forward to seeing what he does or where he goes next. Hopefully the next three episodes will fully unleash the dark side of Travis and I'll be eagerly awaiting for him to end up on Dexter's table. I bet a flashback scene showing him murder his sister would be a great start. Thanks very much, Drew. You make some good comments there, and, and you had some interesting hopes for the season about what you'd like to see with Travis. About Hanks, I think he was kept in the dark because they wanted him to act like Travis really believed he was talking to a real person. And Hanks not knowing the truth about Travis's character, it arguably made for a more convincing, natural performance. This supports the notion that up until this week, Travis was behaving like he had a split personality. And once the wall separating the two was broken down by Travis seeing Geller's dead body, the dark side flooded his whole being in a rush, hence the rapid change in him in episode 10. So, personally, I don't have an issue with them keeping the Geller truth a secret from Hanks. Okay, 
On to your feedback from episode 10. On Twitter, Kettle Creek said, One minor complaint. How did Travis find the yacht so easily? Is he a boater too? <laughs> Which is a fair question, and one I cannot answer. I raised the same question in my review. Goliath Growl tweeted to say, In art, and most things, worse than hate is indifference. It could be the cold I'm fighting, but I found it hard to stay awake for this episode. I'm thinking far more about the show's endgame because this ramp-up episode did not give me much to get excited about. When I look up hashtag Dexter on Twitter, I wonder if I'm perhaps being too jaded or critical because it seems everyone is delighted by this season and is on the edge of their seats with every twist and turn. I really don't think that I'm that much of a cynical bastard because no one wants Dexter to be great again more than me, but this season has left me cold. With two episodes left of the season, I raise a glass to Dexter going out with a scream rather than a whimper. So, thanks for that tweet. Honestly, I think the majority of feedback I've been getting has been quite positive for this season, with just the odd reservation. There's certainly been some negative feedback as well, so it's not all been good. There's certainly been a split, but I think the majority has been positive. There are certainly plenty of negative reviews out there on the internet. I read a particularly scathing one this week at danowin.blogspot.com. Dan is a good reviewer, actually, but not one I entirely agree with about recent Dexter. I do have my own reservations this season, and I've talked about those as we've gone along. And it's certainly not looking set to be one of the best seasons of Dexter, but it's still got its merits in places. It's not been a disaster. I don't know whether the change in showrunner has, has been a contribution. We've had we had all that consistency through the first four seasons and and now five and six we've had two different showrunners. That's that's got to have an effect when you've got a different driver. Elsewhere on Twitter, Casper SL tweeted to say, I had a laugh out loud moment when Dexter's voiceover said, I'm the Bay Harbour butcher. Come on, like we didn't know. <laughs> Yes, Casper, fair comment. However, when coupled with Hall's facial expression in the moment, I did find that particular voiceover remark amusing rather than annoying. I've had an email from Matt Humphrey, who says, Sorry I haven't mailed in since last season, but I've been a bit busy with my own podcast. I'm sure you understand. Uh, just interjecting, Matt co-hosts the Twin Peaks podcast, which is very good, and if you're a fan of... Twin Peaks and definitely check that out I, I think I've plugged in before and it's worth plugging again and yes Matt I certainly appreciate the amount of time that producing a podcast takes up <laughs> and Matt goes on with some thoughts on season six what I find interesting so far is the comparisons one can draw between Dexter and DDK both are deluded enough into speaking to a dead person that represents their subconscious mind also both have sisters that are unaware of this fact. The big difference being that Travis killed his while seemingly acting out as his dark passenger. I'll assume he believed it to be the truth when he said that Geller does all the killing. I've been asking myself lately what is to stop Dexter from doing something similar in the future if whatever mental problem he has gets worse. We've already seen just how fast his personality can change if influenced by his darkness. Brian at the time. We've also seen Dexter kill as his dark passenger in the same episode. Really, what's the thing that is stopping Dexter from becoming Travis? I don't know. 
But whatever it is that keeps him from going completely psycho, can it ward off a mental breakdown forever? At the moment, I'm pretty sure he doesn't speak out loud to Harry for all to hear, in contrast to the way Travis speaks out loud to Invisible Geller, which makes him seem obviously crazy. So I'm just looking out for the day when Dexter says something offhand to Harry, and another character asks, Dexter, did you say something? Perhaps it would be the first clue that his mind is finally going off the deep end. Thanks, Matt. I'd say there are certainly two, maybe three things, from stopping Dexter becoming like Travis. First is the code. Second is Deborah. But thirdly, and most importantly, Harrison. Dexter said only last week that the only thing he wants is to be a better father for him. I think that's his anchor. And he needs it. You're right that he's flitted between dark and light more than once this season. And I do like your idea that at some point Dexter will address Harry and say something out loud. And for Travis, talking out loud, addressing Geller this week, I don't know that he's, when he's been addressing Geller in earlier episodes, whether he's been talking out loud every time. The witness, uh, well, now deceased witness, Holly Benson, she mentioned hearing two voices. But there have been scenes, as I talked about in the review, that um, I'm not sure that Travis was talking out loud, like in the cafe when the waitress uh, that he eventually slept with, she never said, who you're talking to, Travis, or anything like that. So I don't know. I, I, don't, think, um, I don't think that's 100% clear. Hey, Gareth, it's Ken from Pittsburgh again. Um, so after the episode, I feel pretty satisfied with the way things are rolling right now. It's pretty exciting. Uh, but I'd stop and talk about two characters. Um, first of all, uh, Lewis. Um, I think a lot of people are drawing his um, reaction um, to Dexter's opinion of his game. Uh, I think people are reading that the wrong way, um, or at least in the way I'm reading it. Um, or recall, uh, caller Travis um, thought that it was a bit silly to think that um, this other kid, uh, Lewis, is just another serial killer, and it's kind of getting ridiculous that there are this many serial killers. Um, but I don't think Lewis is a serial killer. I think he might have um, these dark tendencies, but I think he takes them out in his game to, you know, prevent himself from killing people. And I think that he showed the game to Dexter to see if a drug passenger could be satisfied by a game. And I think he was hoping this entire time that if Dexter liked the idea of the game, then... Lewis can continue to satisfy his dark passenger with the game. But um, clearly Lewis is heartbroken and frustrated and probably scared that he knows that he can't control his darkness. But, um, yeah, those, those are my opinions on Lewis so far. Uh, additionally, for uh, some other thoughts about Geller, um, it was nice, we got to see this week, that the real Professor Geller... Um, was a sane man. Um, but he's, you know, sane. He's probably a good person. Interested in some fucked up shit, but then again, uh, here we all are watching Dexter. So, aren't we all? Uh, I hope this is in the end for almost. Um, we didn't see him a lot after Travis kind of told him off and said he didn't need him anymore. Um, Quite frankly, I, I'm starting to think maybe his performance is underrated this season because um, in the beginning, 
of the show. I think we're all focused on Brother Sam because most Duff um, carried his character so well. The other thing I think that maybe took away from Geller's uh, from Momo's performance was um, the entire time I think a lot of us were thinking that uh, it wasn't real. We were kind of onto the fact that he was dead. Um, it would be a real shame if by the end of the season I, I didn't fully appreciate Almost's performance because of the writer's failure to eat the uh, twist surprise. But um, I hope to see more of Omos's uh, portrayal of like the real Professor Geller. Um, it was nice to see that he's actually a good person. But uh, Dexter hiding the body and uh, keeping that fact away from the uh, police kind of a... Uh, Dexter is kind of killing the professor's uh, legacy. Um, you know, when the DDK stuff all comes to an end, Geller's always going to be thought of as this terrible person, and uh, it didn't need to be that way, but Dexter kind of did what he had to do, I guess. But, yeah, that's just the episode. I thought it was pretty good. Right, see ya. Thanks, Ken. Lewis... Yeah, it would be a bit silly if Lewis is another serial killer. It would be better if he just had a dark side and used his game as an outlet. And Geller, yes, it looks like he was a sane and decent person in life. That female professor, again her name eludes me, (laughs) she spoke well of him. But you raise a good point about his legacy. Officially he's still alive, but just missing for three years and he's now a suspect in a religiously motivated serial murder case. He'll end up going down in history as crazy, when in reality, you're right, he arguably doesn't deserve that. And by disposing of, or certainly hiding the body, Dexter's not helping. Next, an email from Lost Junkie in Norway, who says, I... Oh, there goes a car. I did like this episode. Travis's change from this lost, misguided soul to this raving maniac. But then again, he was always mad, but this time we really got to see the true side of him. I like the fact that Deb found out about Matthews. What will happen now? I'm kind of worried for Deb now that she does know. Back to Travis. He changed his reality so fast, and now he's following some ghost's wish. And if now, Dexter doesn't care about Brother Sam's advice, why did they ever bother bringing him into his life? Oh, and Lewis. I'm leaning against the fact that he does know about Dexter, and that he's connected to Brian and him in some way. I don't know how, though. And I'm curious to find out. And, oh no, what's going to happen to Batista? Is he in danger of becoming the next of Travis's victims? I really hope not. Only two episodes left. I hope we get a satisfying ending. Thanks, Lost Junkie. I mentioned how I accounted for Travis's quick change this week that dividing wall being broken down by his discovery of Geller's frozen body. And regarding Dexter, yes, he starts this week by rubbishing what Brother Sam said, but then in the end, he surrendered to it again by calling the police about the boat. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. But what do I have to offer a child? Just me? Daddy Dexter. Hello, Garrett. This is Kim from Las Vegas calling once again. I have this number programmed into my BlackBerry now. 
Um, I want to address a few things uh, from last week's podcast um, and have heard uh, feedback uh, that brought us this point before that there are a ton of murders in Miami somehow. All right. I'm gonna. I'm just going to say it. This is a show about a serial killer who kills serial killers. So obviously there has to be lots of people to kill and it might not seem realistic, but seriously, what, tell me how would you script the show Dexter to make it realistic and would it be like one kill every 12 episodes? I mean, come on, it's TV. We're, we don't really give a crap about much else than Dexter attacking people that deserve to die, apparently. So why are we complaining about too many murders? Just enjoy the show. And uh, next, I thought it was sort of sad uh, that we still see had to see Holly die, but I thought it was really hilarious when Dexter walked into her place and started checking the drawer and found the vibrators in there. Obviously, from um, him having to do all that research to find her, and he talked to that, the, well, basically talked to her boss's daughter, who called her the secretary, and I... Just this chick, I guess, does kind of fit the mold of a whore if you're a staunch Christian like that. Um, so, I mean, I can see why Travis picked her, uh, but it was sad to see her go. And actually, now that they've gotten the Geller storyline out of the way, you know, maybe they did, they didn't really actually care that we did know the big reveal. Like, maybe uh, they just were setting it up because I think this last episode was actually. Um, a pretty good episode and it was nice to see Travis actually at work, how he actually does this and how he recruited some of the most idiotic looking people ever um, it's good to see him actually do what he does And but it's kind of weird because he got rid of Geller from his mind after Geller admitted that Travis killed him I mean, I would have loved to see Travis at work with Geller at his side still and how that crap worked out. And But that brings the point of on the last podcast when I said uh, maybe Lewis was in this as his partner. I'm thinking not. He just might be on to Dexter at some point, hopefully next season. Um, but it seems like maybe Travis has recruited some people to do his will uh, before. Is that how he got everything done? Uh, with all the traps and all of that, or maybe he didn't, and this is the first time he picked up a compass because he got rid of Geller. Now he does need help. I have no idea. And a couple of other random notes before I end this really long voicemail. I thought it was funny, the scene with Lewis and uh, Jamie and Dexter, when uh, Harrison is getting ready to be taken and put down, but I just love those obviously fake little laughter, like laughter and giggling and stuff, and then like, and Harrison saying, Daddy, with his head, like, totally not face. Well, the, his face wasn't at all facing the camera. So, obviously, obviously, we know the kid didn't do that. But, you know, I just thought it was really hilarious. I'm like, well, all that fake baby noise. Like, I just had him make one little, like, giggle, and then it'd be cool. But I don't know why that struck me as funny. As for, uh, oh, well, I can't remember where I where I was going to go with that one, but maybe that's my cue to end it all. Oh, the last thing I want to say is um, I don't think that Batista is going to die this time. They seem to have set it up 
that Quinn is going to probably show up late and catch them. Uh, but I think it would be interesting. I mean, I love Batista, but don't you think it would be interesting if they decide to kill him off? I mean, out of Batista and Quinn, obviously Quinn is, should have been the one that would go if they were going to get ready to off one of the main characters. But Or, I don't know. But I just think it would be interesting, but I don't want to see Batista go. Anyway, I should stop rambling because it's time to get going. You know, I'm going to go play a game called Let's Find the Fuck Pad. All right, adios. Thanks, Kim. You raise a fair point about those who query the number of serial killers in Miami being a negative of the show, something to detract from the realism level. It's long been a criticism level at the show. How can there be so many serial killers in one city? But you're right, <laughs> this is a TV show, and often we have to suspend a little disbelief, within reason. But at the same time, not every killer of the week has been an actual serial killer. Some might have just killed one person, like the jock in episode one this year. Bottom line of the code, it essentially qualifies a valid victim as being someone who's killed and got away with it. They don't have to be a serial killer. Yes, we've had a fair few over the six seasons in Miami, but not all Dex's kills have been serial killers per se. About Geller, we may see him pop up again, but maybe whatever psychosis was going on there was dispelled once Travis was kind of woken up to him being really dead. And you talk about Travis and Disciples and whether he's had help before. My opinion is that this is the first time Travis has taken on Disciples. And let's face it, he, he lost one of them pretty quickly, didn't he? And the one he's got left, I'm not sure she's 100% on board. <laughs> we saw her reticence at killing Holly, didn't we? And your comments there about Quinn. It would be nice for Quinn to save the day and rescue Batista. We shall see this week, I suspect. Hey, Gareth, it's Travis. And it feels good that for the first time in a long time, uh, this season at least, I find myself actually uh, enjoying the episode more than just my usual ambivalence towards it. Uh, I, I find myself landing on the on the positive side of the, the spectrum than my usual uh, disinterest, I guess. Um, this episode was certainly leagues better than last year's episode 10. If you recall, that was the one where Dexter and Lumen uh, had sex, which cemented permanently season 5's place as the worst season of the series. Which is not to say that this episode made season six the greatest episode of the series by any by any means it didn't but uh i still think i think it was really good and it was good to see now that geller's gone or you know maybe he may come back but now that geller is uh was was absent we got to see travis really be creepy and be interesting to watch and finally i'm starting to care more and more uh i liked that a lot uh it also doesn't hurt that i'm a travis as well I'm getting all this attention. It feels like, you know, every time Dexter's talking about, oh, how deadly Travis is, how how cool he is, like, oh, man, uh, you know, it's making me blush. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, Gareth, that perhaps next year uh, the main antagonist, may, maybe his name will be Gareth, huh? and you can feel some of the love, right? I like uh, that, that Harry kind of convinced Dexter, well, he did convince Dexter to call the police, and I know they didn't do it because of me, but it feels like they did. Uh, kind of that kind of reflected the feedback I left last week, or perhaps as the week prior, about yeah, why is Dexter t making this hunt for Geller and Travis so personal? 
Like, it doesn't make sense. He really shouldn't have this big a stake in the thing. Uh, I mean, other than his duty as a as an employee of the police to catch bad guys, he, you know, it doesn't make sense for him to be hiding evidence and stuff. And I like that Harry kind of made him see that. And so him calling the cops and stop and him stopping being so ridiculous just for the sake of ridiculousness. Uh, that was probably my favorite part of the episode and probably why I'm so positive about it. Um, I also really like Dexter cutting off Geller's hand and using it as, you know, for fingerprints and whatnot. That's kind of like morbid, off-the-wall stuff I like to see. I think the only thing that could have made that better for me was if Dexter kept that hand in his very own freezer. You know, I don't know. Uh, I just really like seeing Dexter just be dark and light at the same time. Like, you know, he'd have it in that freezer, and I know, oh, Harrison and Jamie are in that next room. I don't know. I know that wouldn't have. That's, pro that's probably too ridiculous, actually, now that I say that out loud. Um... But yeah, so yeah, I liked the episode. Uh, I know I've, re I've heard what some people had to say about didn't like the episode. And it's pretty much the same stuff we've been see saying all season. But just like minor logical inconsistencies or dumb things. Or like, for example, Dexter calling the police in this episode on his own cell phone. And not disguising his voice or anything. Yeah, you know what? I get all that. But I feel like for me, I'm more willing to forgive little things like that if the payoff is bigger. You know, uh, things like in the beginning of the season that, that maybe I com complained about, like the, the first couple kills in the first episode, I didn't, you know, that really didn't matter. But I feel like with Dexter doing something dumb like that, the big payoff was, well, he called the police, and now that's going to change the way the show operates for the, the remainder of the season. Because Dexter's pretty much given up his search, or at least he's, get, he's tipped his hand that he knows a lot about the investigation. I don't know. Does that make sense? I don't know. So I'm willing to forgive, uh, Little things, if it if it's the payoff's big. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's it. And finally, I guess I'll point out, just in case other people don't, but I know we got some sharp listeners. As far as I know, and I could be wrong, so tell me if I am, I don't think Dexter ever told Deb about his mom dying. Uh, at least not on screen. He told, you know, Lila, uh, Lumen, I think he told Rita as well. No, he told Rita that, his, that Harry killed himself. I don't know. Point is... I don't think he ever told Deb that about his mom dying. So in this episode, when he mentioned that to Deb, I thought that was kind of weird. Of course, he could have always told it to her off screen, but I'd like to imagine that that would be something that they'd show us, Dexter opening up to Deb about that, but I don't know. Anyway, um, good episode, good podcast, good everything. Thanks, Travis. <laughs> I like your comments there about your namesake and speculating whether there'll be a killer called Gareth next year. <laughs> It would kind of be a bit confusing, wouldn't it? <laughs> Especially on the podcast, me referring to myself in the third person, maybe, and <laughs> a Gareth on the show, and then you guys emailing in and talking about Gareth, and <laughs> maybe it'd be better if they uh, just called him Bob, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you picked up on one of the most interesting facets of Dexter's character, the mixture of light and dark, and you mention him disposing of Geller's body to keep the police off the right trail, and then using the disembodied hand to leave prints. That was pretty dark, and a little mawkish. But I also appreciate those darker Dexter moments. It reminds us that he really is still a disturbed guy with a very dark side, capable of some horrific things. <laughs> and here's us rooting for him. <laughs> You bring up a good point about him using his phone to call the police and compare it to the opening scene of the season. 
that was interesting and gave me pause for thought as I was listening to your message. And you make good comments about the relative payoff and that we can be more forgiving for little lapses if the payoff means more. I guess there could be a counter-argument for that. But yes, the significance of Dexter tipping his hand and letting the police catch up this week, it's pretty major. Rita would have still been alive if he'd done that in season four. <laughs> yeah, so maybe some of you will be glad he's only just starting this gimmick now. <laughs> and about Dexter's mother. Someone else brought this up about whether Deb knew about what happened the other week. And I actually think she does know. And I, I did talk about this. Was it last week or the week before? I can't remember who called. When Deb was doing research into Harry in season four, I'm pretty certain she found Laura Moser, or found out about Laura Moser, and she knew Harry had slept with her. She also found out that Laura had two sons, Brian and Dexter, and I seem to recall her horror and distress at learning how she died, and it made her look at her brother in a different light. Remember the scene in the finale on the step of the Mitchells' house when she told Dexter about his brother, thinking it was a revelation she was revealing to him, which, of course, it wasn't. Dexter was just in inwardly panicking, <laughs> thinking she knew about him being a killer, or at least suspected something. But that was something we knocked the show for last year, that they dropped it. So, yes, I think Deb does know about Dexter's mum being murdered. And the rain's starting. You know, it's been a bloody terrible day for rain and wind today. As always, I'm recording this over two days, and um, this being Wednesday, and we've had some real horrible wintry showers coming through. Driving rain and sleet and wind, it's horrible. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Email from Mike Lanich. Well, after the less than enthralling reveal we all knew coming in last week's Get Geller, this episode was better. No more guessing about Geller. Now it's all about the chase for Travis and what twists there might be to come. I'm wondering how Lewis will take Dexter's lack of both interest and a good opinion about his video game. I still think there's always been some sort of ulterior motive with Lewis and his fascination and obsession with Dexter. Either he's a burgeoning serial killer looking for a mentor, but it's been done twice already, or his obsession is similar to how Dexter is with his potential kills each season. I think Lewis is shadowing Dexter, trying to form some sort of symbiotic relationship and learn about or figure him out before going in for the kill. I also think there's still some sort of connection between Lewis, Ryan Chambers and Brian Moser. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Mike. Yes, like you, I've had the same sort of suspicions about Lewis. I don't know that he's a would-be serial killer, but I'm hoping for something more than he's just a computer whiz who moonlights as a game developer. And I still like your theory about a connection between them, between Lewis and Ryan and Brian. That would be, that would be very intriguing to see that unfold, and it would probably play into next season. And I'd welcome that, as I've discussed. You know, that long-term planning would be would be very good. Lewis's interest in Dexter is very curious. He was seemingly depicting the whole department in his game, so. Why not chat to Batista or Anderson about it, or Quinn? Why the fascination with Dexter in particular? To an outsider, Dexter's just a blood spatter analyst, not an actual detective. Unless Lewis just got wind of how Dexter is so good and perceptive at crime scenes since he got the internship. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs>
Hi, Gareth. It's uh, Dave in Ohio calling back um, about this week's episode, uh, episode 10, Ricochet Rabbit. Uh, after calling last week and being one of the few voices that was really excited about the show and really enjoyed it, um, I'm not sure where I stand this week. I was sort of left, I don't know, dazed and confused, maybe. Best way to put it, I liked all the elements of the show. I just got a feeling, especially after rewatching it, that they had a really good hand, a really good deck of cards, and it just got all shuffled and mixed up. Um, what do I mean about by that? Uh, it seemed like I enjoyed the elements, but it seems like the pacing is just a little bit off in this episode. Um, the elements weren't... Gosh, I would have liked to have seen some of those other elements, um, like the Lewis Green uh, scenes, maybe earlier in the season. Uh, maybe I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I think obviously even before this episode, having the... Um, uh, the revelation, uh, revelation about Geller earlier would have been better, uh, kept the pacing going along a little bit quicker. I, I mean, there were a lot of scenes I really enjoyed. I, I enjoyed uh, Dexter's conversations with Harry, arguments with Harry. I enjoyed that here's Dexter now calling the police to the scene for a change. Uh, that's a big difference from in the past when he would actively thwart uh, police efforts to find killers. Uh, so there's a lot of good stuff. I just feel I feel like it's all out of order this season, I guess. <laughs> uh, there's two more episodes. I don't know how it will all play out. Um, but this, this past episode just has me feeling like uh, the writers, even though they're doing a, a good job, have put things out of order, maybe if they would have rearranged some of the re revelations, rearranged some of the scenes, and how the storyline plays out, it would have been more effective, more engaging. Um, and, I, you know, I, I've been very engaged in this season. Up until this last episode, I just, this last episode, it, it, it just seemed a little sloppy to me. Um, but there's two more episodes to go, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Your broad thoughts about the episode are interesting. You pick the show up on the pacing being a bit inconsistent and the handling of the different elements. I don't know. Maybe that boils down to there being three writers working on this one. A case of too many cooks, perhaps. But it's funny how, yet again, we have an assortment of views on an episode. I was less happy about Get Geller while you really liked it. And this week, I really enjoyed it while you were more neutral. That's one of the great things about this feedback section. Yes, we get some excellent theories, but it's also fascinating to hear the different views, and often opposing views. On to an email from Wren in San Diego. Well, this has been a long time coming, but I think the show's writers need some fresh faces. This episode did not work for me. Travis's persona switch feels beyond forced. It's almost as if once he realised he killed Geller, his simple brain tells himself, OK, I'm God's warrior. Colin Hanks, I must say, has given the worst villain performance in Dexter. 
In order for me to buy the shift in persona, we should have spent some time with Travis questioning God, alone or with Geller trying to discourage him, making him struggle and reform himself. Oh, but they couldn't do that because they were forced on a twist that anyone who's been watching movies for the last ten years could pick up on. I bought the religious nutjobs in this episode more than I bought Travis. One interesting plot point that I think would be interesting to explore would be Dexter being blamed as the DDK. Think about it. He showed up at both murders, distant with Deb and his son. A sudden interest in Brother Sam and religion. This might be a part of Travis's Wormwood plan, placing the blame on Dexter. Decapitating six preachers, and the seventh being Geller, to resemble the seven-headed beast. And the Antichrist, Geller, or... and attempt, but failure. No apocalypse is complete without the devil himself or the Antichrist. Thanks, Wren. I'm sorry you weren't so sold on this one. Maybe the discussion we've had about the Travis change this episode will go some way to helping your concerns about it. However, I wasn't as happy about Colin Hanks' performance this week either. I wouldn't go as far as you did, but it did seem a little bit more cartoonish, especially in that scene outside the church. Maybe they did consider, the writers that is, maybe they did consider having scenes with Travis questioning God again and... I don't know, maybe they cut them due to lack of time left in the season. Or maybe they felt that just having his conscious self discovering the truth about Geller was enough of a jolt to force him into the abyss and be engulfed by his dark side. No, Star Wars pun intended. <laughs> I don't know about your theory about Dexter being blamed for DDK. It's quite a bold theory. And, uh, well, I, I don't know if there's enough time left in the season for that to be played out to any great degree. But, as I always say, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for your email. Hey guys, it's Josh. Just watched um, episode 10 of season 6. And it was a pretty good one. Um, in the beginning of the episode, and Dexter escaped, I just found it really easy that Deb texted Dexter that they were searching the area. It just seemed a little way, way too easy. Why would why would Deb text Dexter about a search? Anyway, so just want to get that off my chest first because that was a little silly. But um, I loved the scene where Travis was arguing with Geller, and it was shot with him kind of yelling at nothing. It was great acting. I I would have felt silly doing that, but I mean, he made it he made it look believable. I definitely, definitely like him. I think he's uh, one of my favorite guest stars in the series. But I don't know where he'd take the place where he'd move up on the ladder of those guys. But he's he's really doing a much better job now that he has kind of free reign. Because all of a sudden, his personality is completely changed. I wonder if it's because he feels he stood up to Geller. Does he really believe he didn't kill him? I just wonder how insane this guy really is. And how come he's grounded enough to act normal in society? It's kind of what fascinates me about serial killers. Dexter isn't nearly as screwed up, as, screwed up mentally as Travis or Trinity. I just find it easier to believe Dexter can act normal, but... I guess it's because he seems more in control of his dark passenger. More, more in control of his mental capacity. I don't know. 
I honestly don't know what makes him different than uh, Trinity or Travis. Uh, so, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Because I don't really have a good explanation. Um, I also loved James Ramar and Michael C. Hall's chemistry in this episode. It was really good. Um, Harry is one of my favorite characters, so it's always excellent to see him in the episode. Um, all right. That reveal about Lewis having the prosthetic arm, uh, was that just to set up the scene for this episode where he, um, makes a game about a serial killer? Is it... He did by the arm because he's fascinated with serial killers. Is that the whole setup, or is there something else they're not telling us? And is it going to be a really big deal because there's a lot more to deal with now? That Travis is a threat. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say, it's funny to see Dexter go, oh, please for once. <laughs> All of Harry's nagging. Did it, which is of course Dexter's subconscious or whatever it is, finally got through him. And I just hope Batista doesn't die because Dexter was too late. The thing is, he's never done this before. It's kind of a big step. I wonder if next season Dexter works with the police. Yeah, we'll see about that one. All right, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. And as the rain comes down a bit more heavily. <laughs> Sounds like someone throwing marbles at the roof of the car. <laughs> uh, Josh, yeah, I think the thing with Travis is that he is a psychopath. Maybe formerly suffering from a split personality, but now the bad and good have bled into each other and the bad side is winning. I think with Dexter, he's more in control because of the code and how he was nurtured by a parent, albeit an adoptive one, but by a parent who knew about his darkness and helped channel it, shape it. It's obviously made all the difference. Just compare Dexter with Brian. And yes, there were some good moments between Dexter and Dexter and Harry this week. I've always enjoyed James Ramar on the show. And yes, a big step for Dexter to call the police. He's been stung so many times by going all cavalier for his dark passenger. But this week he put that second and the safety of people he works with and cares about. He put that first. That's quite something for the character. You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. Hi, Gareth. It's Ian from Bristol. I'm calling about Dexter Series 6, Episode 10, Ricochet Rabbit. This was the first episode, I think, where the voiceover indicating Dexter's kind of thoughts and internal monologue uh, it really annoyed me. Um, his statement at the start, Travis thinks he can see Geller, was uh, quite unnecessary and, and just overtly clunky. I guess in most of the shows, the main character has a sidekick or a partner, so they can do that kind of plot-clarifying uh, conversations uh, with. But Dexter only has Harry. I guess it's not so natural to, to do that kind of exposition. Um, I guess it's it's necessary for the writers to do that. Um, but it just seemed really clunky this week. Um, moving on to Dexter then. So he managed to escape rather too easily, in my opinion. Um, I'm sure they could have built tension up if there had been a race against time between him escaping from the cellar 
and the police getting closer to finding the church. Um, it would have been interesting to see his uh, his reactions uh, on knowing that he might be found with Geller's body in, in, in the church where the, uh, where the Doomsday Killers were, were hiding out. Um, it was interesting to see Dexter use Geller's hand for spoiling the crime scene, uh, making the police think that Geller was still alive. I'm not quite sure why Dexter chose to do that. Does, does it really matter to him um, whether they know Geller's alive or not? Um, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, and he seems to intend to store the, the, the Geller's hand in uh, in the police freezer. Uh, I'm sure that'll be found at some future date, so we can only wait wait for that one to come to fruition. Um, it looks like Dexter's dalliance with religion has come to an end. I can't remember the exact monologue he, he had, um, but basically he's turned his back on religion, so perhaps that's it for religion this season. Let's see. Uh, moving on to Debs. Um, so Debs found out that Matthews was the other person present when the girl overdosed. Um, I, I thought this was, was far too easy and done in such a way that only she knew. She didn't have to ask anybody else to go and investigate it. Um, but it's moved that thread along a little bit. So the question now is, what will she do? Will she do the right thing and uh, reveal the Guerta and Matthews uh, as part of a cover-up? Um, will she protect them? What will happen? I don't know. Um, she phoned Dexter for advice. Um, and what came out of that conversation was that she kind of identified that Dexter has a lot of personal stuff, mysterious personal stuff that he always seems to be dealing with. And she didn't kind of question what that was, but I think that's going to come up in uh, a future day. She's going, going to start joining the dots and uh, working out exactly what Dexter is. Uh, moving on to Angel and Quinn. Uh, it looks like Quinn is continuing his descent um, and has finally got Angel into trouble by going to, to uh, the apartment and uh, being captured by uh, Travis. Um, if it had been partnered, then I'm sure that wouldn't have happened. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with Quinn there. Uh, what will Debs do when she finds out Quinn wasn't wasn't there? Um, what will Quinn do to save the day? don't know. Let's see. Uh, moving on to Lewis. So no more movement on the ice truck killer arm that we saw in Lewis's apartment. Um, although we did find out um, about his serial killer game, um, but he looked like he'd been uh, kicked in the nuts somewhat by Dexter when Dexter um, kind of didn't like the game, um, so don't know what's going to happen there. I'm wondering whether um, Lewis is a potential serial killer too. Um, it would be a bit of a stretch to have two forensic experts in the same police department who are both serial killers. Um, and kind of thinking along those lines, I wondered what would have happened if Michael C. Hall hadn't signed up for future seasons. Would they have parachuted Lewis into the Dexter role and just replaced Dexter directly with, with another character who had the same same motivations and the same um, kind of operating methods. don't know. Um, I also confused myself last week when I kept on referring to Lewis as Elliot. Um, I'm sure that in one of the early episodes, uh, Lewis states that he had something to do with the Elliot search engine. So I'm assuming it's a Trojan or similar, um, and he's tracking the search queries that Dexter's doing. Um, I think that uh, Lewis will use this to identify Dexter as a killer. But the question is, what will do Lewis do with the information? We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Uh, moving on to uh, Travis and his new disciples. Um, didn't Travis identify his new accomplices really quickly? Um, all those random people on the blog he could have chosen, he managed to choose the two that were most likely to go along with his plan. I guess they could quite easily have called the police, uh, but he seems to have chosen the right, the right nutters. Um, so it looks like the plan and target for Wormwood has been revealed. Um, I assume that Angel will be used in some way to deliver the, the bomb. 
I wonder if Quinn will do the right thing and put himself in danger to save Angel. I can imagine one of those um, defuse the bomb scenarios where they have to choose the red or the blue wire. Thanks, Ian. Yes, it would have certainly heightened the tension if the police had been getting closer to the church while Dexter was still there. It wasn't far across that park from the wireless address, was it? I think Dexter said about putting Geller's prints at the scene because he needed the police to think they were still looking for two killers and that Geller was still very much alive and active. If they'd just found Travis's prints, they'd focus on him. And of course, that would get in the way of what Dexter wanted to do. I'm not sure Dexter's given up on Brother Sam's words of wisdom. Right at the end there, he said about surrendering to a higher power, or words to that effect. And in this case, he called the police to give them the boat's location. Going there, they'll find Holly Benson and whatever evidence Dexter decides to leave behind. Steve Dorsey's body, perhaps, which may help them catch up with Batista. And the chemical bottles as well. You mentioned the Elliot search engine again. I don't recall Lewis saying he had something to do with it, but he did say something about it using different search algorithms. I do have my suspicions that he will turn out to have something to do with it, though. And that was a nice idea to suggest Batista will be used to deliver the bomb, and maybe Quinn will help defuse it. Will both characters be sacrificed in a 24-style kill-off recurring characters moment? So, that's it for this week for feedback. Thanks very much, everybody, for your calls, tweets, Facebook messages, and emails. If you want to join in the fun, the US listener lines, or rather the US listener line, is 646-222-6122. In the UK, it's 0844 and with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. You can also email me. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Or Twitter. Follow at dissectdexter. And there's my personal Twitter as well, which is at gareth underscore UK. I talk less about the podcast on the personal Twitter feed, but I talk more about TV shows and films and things I've been watching. There's also the Facebook page. Jump onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, like the page, and maybe join in with some of the conversation on there. We've got several users on there now who are posting and commenting, and that's great. Next time on Dissecting Dexter... Next week is the penultimate episode of the season. Where has the time gone? <laughs> the episode title is Talk to the Hand. And as always, fear not with regards to spoilers. Apart from the episode title, I know nothing about the next episode. So what I'm about to say is purely my own speculation and mindless drivel. So uh, don't worry about being spoiled. But the title does suggest that Geller's Hand may make a reappearance... That will throw up all kinds of questions if it does. Where the hell did that come from, for one thing? <laughs> but if Travis's apparent plan to detonate a poison gas bomb in the police station comes to fruition, they may have, the police that is, they may have more pressing things to worry about. Listen to that rain. <laughs> I hope you can hear me. <laughs> 
I like the theory that Batista could be used in some way to deploy the bomb and that Quinn will end up helping defuse it, or maybe sacrificing himself in the process. And that would be some redemption for the character after he's been a drunken, debauched mess this season. Although, to be fair to him, he did have his heart broken, and I wouldn't say that he deserved to die for it. I'm not sure what I foresee Dexter doing next week. He's almost passing the reins over to the police in the DDK case. But maybe he has to take them back after they're so busy with the bomb business. I'm hoping for some more seeds being planted with Deb, probably by the shrink, helping to open her eyes. I liked how the Deb-Dexter relationship was handled this week. They seem to be in a decent place again together. There's an understanding, certainly from Deb's side. Dexter hasn't exactly changed, has he? (laughs) And I'm hoping for more information about Lewis being revealed. I'm very intrigued to learn if his story is just one of a computer geek whose aspirations have been dashed by Dexter, or whether he has his own darkness waiting to be unleashed. And there are still theories about Ryan floating around. Will she resurface? My own gut feeling is not, but you never know. Okay, so that's it for another week. I have to say I enjoyed this episode more than the last few. Uh, with the exception of Nebraska, I did particularly enjoy that. I know it divided the audience, but I was entertained. And this week's entertained me. I felt like it was back on track. I, as I say, I called it a classic third from the end episode of Dexter. Um, I know not all of you will agree with me. We've talked about the differing opinions in the feedback section, and I welcome that. It's all good. It gives us something... Hearty debate, there's nothing wrong with it, so um, do keep your feedback coming in, whether you're for or against the episodes, or whether you disagree with my opinion, don't be afraid, Uh, by all means email in, and we can have a chat about it. So, two episodes left, and I'll say one thing, um, what I will do this season again, I will endeavour to produce a highlights podcast after the finale so maybe start thinking about what your highlights of the season have been and um, maybe start shortlisting a few ideas for your top five moments of the season and um, maybe get ready to send those in once the finale has aired and I'll look at putting together another top five episodes of top five moments of the season podcast to come up probably around the beginning of January so something to look forward to (laughs) right I'm off thanks very much for your support as always and your downloads your emails and everything join me again next week and we'll dissect some more Dexter together until then cheers for now (laughs) 